0: From Eden by Fry, Volume Two, Heart. Displacement. As I sit watching, George sip his mojito, slowly, deliberately. The memories of the past and the memories of the future congeal to form a slush into which my brain slowly dissolves. I feel it already trickling out of my ear. The right one, as my head is somewhat rightward inclined. I was. I was beautiful. I never once thought so then, and I most certainly don't think me so now, but looking at myself then, I cannot escape this devastating realisation. I was really beautiful. My best friend in London, Michael, once asked, when looking at a picture of me from my teens, how did this, he points at the picture, turn into this? He gestures at me. Between me and George lie three decades of the unknown. Must it though, must it be so unknown? If I'd known then what I know now, would I not have avoided so many mistakes? Would these regrets, three or four only maybe, but two or three of them profound, not simply have turned into gorgeous memories of ever-fulfilling, wistfully-relivable ecstasy, unaided? Soon, I want to say to my young self, You'll meet, quite by chance, a boy who is so roundly adorable, so sunny, so sweet, so entirely lovely, that you'll feel in a trance for six days around him. He will call you on your answer phone and say, hello, it's Stefan here, I'm a friend of so-and-so, who's a friend of Beatrice. She said I could give you a call and maybe stay with you for a few days in London. Once you live in London, George, you will have friends and friends of friends, and of course family and friends of family come to visit. You will not want for guests. On this particular occasion, though, you may not be so keen. You may only just have arrived in your first flat chair and not know the others too well, but in particular also your best friend from school, Peggy, may be staying with you for six weeks as it happens. How you ever got that past your still new flatmates, whom you don't really know yet, will be beyond you once you get to the stage where you are me. But, be that as it may, you will think And Peggy will agree, and you both will be pretty much of a mind, that the last thing you need, or even want for that matter, is some strange boy who happens to be the friend of, really in all seriousness, an ex-girlfriend of yours, to come and spoil your quality time together for you. You've never been one to say no, though, so you say yes. But you don't want to change your plans, and your plans for the night he arrives are to go to the theatre with Peggy. And so you say to him, just ring the buzzer. There'll be somebody around to let you in while we're out. You can sleep on the sofa. Make yourself at home. So you go out with your best friend from your school days, Peggy, and you have a lovely time. And then you get back home. And on the sofa, there is this unbearably cute little face, tucked into sleeping bag, happy as peaches in dreamland, and you know you're already in love. And you both look at him in unabashed wonder, and you decide to let him sleep. And when you all wake up in the morning, you all feel like you've always been friends. And from then on, you do practically everything together. You go out together, you drink together, you dance together. And at one point, and you don't quite know how, probably because Peggy happens to be at school, she is, after all, here to learn English, you find yourselves sitting next to each other on your slim, single bed. And he's wearing his funky, skin-tight jeans and no top. And you are wearing whatever it is you are wearing at the time, probably black. And you will nearly, but not quite, put your hand on his thigh or his hand and you bask in his presence and you cannot get over how beautiful is his torso and how charming his smile and how big his blonde hair and you don't know how you do it but somehow you let the moment pass and nothing happens at all. And you won't ever quite understand how you let that happen because soon after he leaves and you write to each other once or twice only and he says something along the lines of he liked you and how wonderful a time you had together and that maybe it was better that nothing happened that day it would only have spoiled things this You will never be quite able to believe, you will forever know deep in your heart that kissing him, holding him, caressing him, touching him, being with him would not have spoiled anything. It would simply have made those six days complete. There'll be that, I want to tell my young self don't let it happen like that, don't let that moment pass, live it, grab it, make a fool of yourself, risk him saying you're overstepping a mark, it may be embarrassing, it may feel painful and cruel if he rejects you, but so is this, so is knowing you didn't seize that day, that half day even, so is knowing you lived one afternoon less than you could have, as it turns out, should have done. One afternoon, an early lifetime. Precious, precious days, while you are young. I want to extend my arm and put my tan and of late slightly freckled hand upon George's. When do you stop thinking, What will he think? At what point will he simply not care? But then, should you not care? Is not the other person as far away from you as you are from them? Cannot they make the first move or say the first word? Be first to break the glass that divides you. And then it hits you out of the blue. They don't see the glass, they send all the signals, they make all the moves, they simply wonder why you don't respond. And you wonder how can they not know that you're surrounded by a bell made of glass. The sounds are muffled, the scent is dead, the gestures distorted, the temperature inside is always too high. The effort it takes you to break through to them is gargantuan. They just smile and think it's strange that you barely smile back. The way that you read them would to them be entirely unintelligible. Suddenly it strikes you. You're under a bell, George, and you don't even know it. I reach out to myself, but not to my hand. I put my hand on my shoulder instead. That seems to be more in tune with the overall situation. Oddly, this doesn't surprise young me. George looks back at me half knowing, half expectant A look that, as a youth, you might give your grandparent who's about to say something really obvious, like, you're an intelligent boy being thus inadvertently cast in the role of my dad's father or my mum's mother startles me and I withdraw my hand almost too quickly. I need to think of a reason for having put it on my shoulder in the first place, and so I say, if you ever come to London you must get in touch. It sounds like a disingenuous offer saying this to my younger self, but with anyone else in a comparable case, It would be perfectly genuine, and pure of intent, too. He nods gravely. It hasn't quite done the trick, I'm convinced, but George here seems to be unfurther perturbed. This is nice, he says, in the involuntary generic understatement of the youth who hasn't quite mastered the language about his mojito. It's oddly appropriate. This is nice, I agree without saying it, and instead I ask him if he wants another. Knowing now who I'm with, it doesn't surprise me that he says, sure, with an upward inflection that suggests question, where there ought to be assertion. The young. If only I could make it lighter for you, thinner the bell, more penetrable, the fortress of isolation around you. You will find a way. You will find a way. I have found a way. So will you. Advice time. I'm about to say something along the lines of, just do what you want to do your way, or, It's not going to be so easy, you know, but you'll somehow muddle through or deep in your heart. You know that no matter what the ups and the downs, you're on a fairly stable track, like a roller coaster. And then it strikes me how ludicrous that is. You're not on a track at all. You're in free flow. You have no way of knowing what's right or wrong for you. You have to find out step by perilous step. Sometimes it will feel ridiculously easy and other times it will feel impossible. They will not understand you, seriously. They will smile, but they will think, what the fuck? You have the right to be whoever, whatever you want to be. Everybody else has the right to think, what the fuck? At times you will feel, nobody gets me at all. You will be so alone in the world that you will want to sit in a corner and cry. And you will sit in a corner and cry. You will need to be stronger than you ever thought you could be because sometimes they will not think, what the fuck? They will hate you and say so, and you will wonder, what have I ever done to you that you hate me? I have written some words. I have thought some thoughts. I have put them out there. Ah, I have trodden on your reality by putting them out there. And then you have to say to yourself, I have the right to write words and think thoughts and to put them out there. They have to right to hate me for it. It is not wise, nor generous, nor really humane, but sadly, it's only human of them if they do so. Forgive them for being human. angular waitress is still nowhere to be seen, so once again I hold my hand up to Ahmed, who takes my order for two more mojitos. These are nice, I say to Ahmed unnecessarily. Could we have two more, please? I wonder, should I ask him at the same time if he knows a good place for me to stay, like a hotel he can recommend somewhere nearby, but then I realise that this might sound like what this might sound like to him. So instead, I wait until Ahmed has gone and I ask George here where he is staying. Around the corner at a hostel. To my utter relief, George doesn't ask me where I'm staying. I just realise what a potential trap I've set myself. When it occurs to me that I have a discontinuity here. At the time when I'm George, this place most likely doesn't exist. It's true now. So, past me is in my world, not I in the world of past me. But my world at this point ought to be kinked upon fucking Thames. Practical considerations and logic have both been rendered imponderable by what I know not. What do you want to be when you grow up? I ask myself and I notice I'm not saying this out loud and so I can't tell whether this is now me asking young me or young me asking now me or now me asking now me or young me asking young me or all of me at the same time. Sundown. I shall wait until sundown. I shall hold out as long as George here holds out. I will, I will just stay with me until sundown.